to another episode of Winner Winner, a PUBG podcast. My name is Kev, but most of you know me as The One Heart. I'm here with Mike, aka MTB Trigger. Mike, how are you? I'm good, man. I'm excited to uh, get together and talk about some PUBG stuff. There's a lot going on recently, so it's kind of funny. We typically have all of our stuff lined out ahead of time, but I think the last few days changed it all up, so I'm pretty excited, man. How are you? I'm great, dude. I mean, we got a crazy time of year for PUBG and PUBG Esports in particular. But really, I think there's a lot to come for us normal players too, so we'll touch on that at the end, but we're really here to talk about competitive. Speaking of, you've got something going on yourself. <laughs> well, and it's it's becoming quite a bit more competitive than I thought when it originally came up, but I've got a squad that's going to be competing in the Twitch Rivals the qualifier for the Twitch Rivals squad tournament. So that'll happen before this comes out, but we're excited for that. And there's a lot of NPLC, there's a lot of ex-NPL players in it. So it's actually going to be pretty fun to be in a lobby with a bunch of very, very good players. So I actually am looking forward to that, uh, but my expectations have gone down (laughs) as time has gone on. And I've seen the names of the teams that have been piling in. Yeah, specifically since our buddy Pax and uh, the rest of Loki, the full roster, has entered the fray. Yes. But we do wish best of luck to them, you know. Uh, let them get in there and make some money too. Who knows, maybe you guys will eke through. Yeah, and I think the best part about it is, I mean, I'm learning more and more about the competitive scene. And I'm meeting more and more people from the competitive scene. And actually had a chance to talk and listen to Pax break down some of the pgc stuff in the first weekend so i'm sure we'll get into that but it will be cool to potentially go head to head with those guys so i'm excited for that yeah i'm excited to watch you guys do the qualifiers by the time this airs guys this will already be over we'll know if you've gotten in but explain the qualifier idea because that doesn't typically happen for twitch rivals correct yeah i guess i don't know the full history of it but basically what they're doing is you could submit for a team And then if you had three other people that were affiliate or partner level on Twitch, you could get into the open qualifiers, I guess you would call it. They're doing this for the North American circuit as well as Europe. And then they're taking six teams from the qualifier. I believe the way it's breaking down as of this minute is there will be three different groups with 20 different teams It'll be the top two teams from each group. So it's going to be a very competitive field to get in on this one. But again, it's a fun way to test skills in a way that I haven't done it before. And we've spent the last few days practicing and just coming up with our strats. You know, two days of practice isn't going to compare to the months that some of these other people have put in. But it's been really fun going into public lobbies with a plan and just a different level than we're used to playing with. Less memes, still having fun, but really focusing on communication and call-outs. So, been really fun to do. And so what's this, a uh, best of four? Honestly, don't even know the format. Actually, you know what? I take that back. I do. It's I think it's four maps in one meme game. So I think there's a melee game in the middle. 
and then I think it's one of each map. Okay, and then is it still following a similar point setup to not our tournament, but to the PGC tournament, or uh, do you know how that works too? Yeah, so I know that it's going to be the competitive rule set, and I think the scoring is very similar to PGC, where kills are very valuable, but placement is too, seems to be a good balance. But I do know that we're going to be using the competitive loot filters, so it'll be pretty easy to find loot, and the circle settings will be based on what you're seeing in the live PGC tournament right now. Nice. So yeah, I mean, potentially, if you get one good late game and maybe even a win... You can see yourself on and, and through to the actual rivals. And then once you're there, rivals, you can relax more. That's where you just wanted to go and have fun. But this is going to probably be more intense than some of the rivals matches, to be honest. Yeah, I think this is going to play out like a, a very competitive game. And with the different caliber of teams that are there, I think there's going to be some teams that really, really take it seriously and go nuts. And again, it's just going to be fun to be in that lobby and see how it actually feels being in there. Because I'm not a scrim player, played with some really high caliber players, but never in a tournament with this many competitive players. So it should be should be really fun. But yeah, if if you have a good game and you end up winning a match, I think that put yourself in striking distance at least because placement is really important. But killing is also going to be a huge factor. So it, it's just going to come down to playing our game, you know, and if we can get a couple good rounds strung together, which... I mean, for crying out loud, on Monday, we uh, we won six out of nine games. And granted, that's public matches, but I felt really good. So we'll see how it is. Well, either way, good luck, man. And, you know, it'll be really fun. I'll be on the sidelines for you, making sure your chat doesn't get too rowdy. But anyway, we're here to talk about some competitive with a little bit more uh, money on the line. Yeah, yeah. We're here to talk about PGC, the PUBG Global Championship. So if you're not familiar, players from around the world have competed in their respective regions through three phases of competitive play just to make it here. There are three weekends and one is already over. And that means eight teams have already been sent packing. So we're going to talk about what happened the first weekend and why you should absolutely watch the rest. We're also going to get into how to make your viewing experience better and more informative, what to look for, which teams to watch, and more. At the end of this, we're going to talk about a new feature that was announced today that should be making its way to live servers for us. And that's going to be really interesting as well. Also on the competitive side, but for public players. So let's just kind of get into it. Sounds good. We started on Friday with the first group. And so it's 16 teams out of a total 32 going head to head. And uh, I'll just go and rattle off the different teams that were in here. So we have OGN, Entis Ace, BC Gaming, FaZe Clan, Rascal Jester, Infantry Clan, Vendetta, Tempo Storm, Red Canids, Team Envy, Ghost Gaming, Nanas Venturi, or how do we say their name normally? Navi. Navi, right? Yeah, just Navi. <laughs> Sitting there like, oh, I never call him that. I call him <laughs> Navi. Uh, but then we have uh, who we just called Gex the whole time, but Global Esports, Xset. Also, Genji, Armory Gaming, SK Telecom, T1, and G2 Esports. And so you probably are familiar if you watch... PEL or MPL with the likes of FaZe Clan and Tempo Storm. Probably familiar with Navi and Ghost Gaming. And then, uh, so day two, we had teams like TSM, The Rumblers, Sun Sisters, Four Angry Men or 4AM, Genesis, Crow Crowd, OGN Entis Force. We had W Click, Africa Freaks Fatal, Athletico, Sting Divine Esports. Detonator, Lazarus, AHQ, Team Liquid, 
And finally, QM. So those are all 32 teams that are in this tournament. And they're in various order. So the way that this format for week one works, and it's three weeks as I had started to say, was that 16 teams face off in six games in one day. And it's going to be three back-to-back Gall games, and then one Sandhawk game, and then two Miramar games to close out the day. Basically, you get one point per kill. You get 10 points for a win, six points for second place, five for third, and so on. And then six, seven, and eight each get a point. So if you don't get any kills and if you get knocked out before eighth place, you get nothing. And so it puts the impetus on getting kills and making it kind of far into the game. Really, if you're not in the top three, it's probably better to go for kills in many situations. It's super interesting, right? Because like, you're breaking it down there. I, I haven't paid a ton of attention to like exactly how that breakdown works matters right like all i know is that at the end of the day i'm watching these scores and sometimes one point matters so it may seem silly that you know six seven eight get one point but oftentimes the difference in the final placement at the end of the six games comes down to a point or two so it does matter what i found more interesting about the setup was that sandhawk was a huge part of the competitive circuit going into pgc and then it only represents one sixth of the qualifiers for the final tournament. I thought that was really interesting. I think that was an adjustment on the PUBG like internal side. Finally hearing how how much people didn't like it. And I remember being on vacation this summer for the announcement that Sanok was going to get introduced for the last phase. And so if you're not familiar, in phases one and two worldwide, they only played on two maps. They only played Erangal Mir- Miramar. So if they played six matches in a day, it was three and three. Then they had to go into phase three, and it was maybe a month before phase three. They hadn't actually practiced as on competitive loot settings and everything. They had to go and they had to play, you know, a third of all their games that season on Sandhawk. And it is so fun to watch. It can be exciting if you're the player and you're already in a good spot, center circle. But rotations on the map are very hard. It's just a really difficult map to play in these competitive settings. And so I think they listened a little bit and they said, you know what? Erangal is the one that most of these players have most of their time. We're going to get the best games out of them on that. And also they should be playing at a really high level on Miramar. But we do need to keep Sandhawk in for the viewer base and just for the consistency to a degree. That's my takeaway from seeing that change. And I think it was the right change for this. There's so much money yeah, online. I do too. Because I, I think the adding Sandhawk in it was really good for the viewer experience, but you also have to keep the pros happy, and I just don't think that went over very well. So I think this is a good concession, but I just found that really interesting, right? Because some of the teams that got in may have got in based on their Sandhawk play, and then it kind of drops down. So just an interesting thing that I've noticed from watching was I was like, where's Sandhawk? Oh, just one game. Okay. I think some of the, the most exciting things I saw in MPL this year was some of the Sandhawk games. And, and I, I remember Taylor J from United jumping off of a rock and throwing an A to a team, just trying to do something to clear out a team. And, and there's just so many different random moments. But at the same time, random is a really good word to describe how that map plays out. Yeah. It's really hard to play that at a competitive level and try and control the elements of that game for yourself and when there's already 16 other teams you need as little as possible uh random elements yeah so what did you notice most about the first weekend of the pgc i noticed how much these points ended up mattering and so 
I started to kind of explain how the points work for these games, but what I didn't say is that there were two groups this weekend. So there was group one and group two, and group one plays on Friday night, and then group two played on Saturday. The top eight from each of those groups automatically moves on to the next weekend. The bottom eight from both of those nights has to go and play on Sunday. That is where it really starts to get dicey for these teams because you play for a full year, you qualify, you fly all the way out to LA from wherever you are in the world, and then you have to play and you might go home in the first weekend, make no money. All right. The interesting thing, and I think what really is cool, is that what you did on Friday or Saturday did matter. So if you left that first night with 30 points, you go into Sunday with 30 points. But if you left with, say, 12 points like a certain team, you have to start the day at 12 points and play the same amount of games as someone else who has 30 points. So it really helps the teams that were on the cusp have a good chance of actually making it on and then they can reset and reevaluate why they were even on the cusp to begin with. Yeah, and I think that speaks to kind of my overall feeling about the PGC. The marketing has been on point. It seems like they conceded a little bit to the professional players on Sandhawk, and then they've done a lot of really good things with the tournament setup. I'm not really finding anything to complain about, and I'm just enjoying watching it. And it seems like they're firing on all cylinders for this major event at the end of the year, which is what you would expect. But I think with some of the missteps in some of the patches and sound and that kind of stuff, I think there was a little bit of concern in the community how this thing was going to play out. But so far, I'm extremely impressed because all of this seems to be working really well together. I see positive comments from the community. I see positive comments from the pros. Yeah, I I don't know, man. What do you think? I I think it's been really well received. Obviously, teams that maybe didn't do as well or take a little longer to get started. Maybe in a typical phase, they might start off okay, have a slump, and then come back really strong. And it just takes them that full season to really kick it on. Maybe they have a hard time with a six-game setup, but this wasn't really six games. This was six games. If you did well, you don't have to worry. Otherwise, you have 12 games. If you didn't make the most out of it, but at least got a little bit going, then you have to play six more games. You have the full 12, and you have a chance. But if you really didn't capitalize on the first day, then you're really starting behind the eight ball, trying to make it in. You know, Maybe the eight ball is a little too much of a pun here when it's you know top eight makes it yeah there, there were certain teams that had a really rough time even trying to climb back out you definitely saw that have an effect but there was also teams that started the you know sunday elimination day really low and they ended up making it right and we'll get to sunday because sunday was the most incredible day of PUBG esports that i can remember but i'm also you know we're a little newer to this but i mean this is a moment that i remember for a long time and and so we won't rush into that, but it really did come down to the wire and to the last game. And if you already know, then you know, but we're going to have some fun talking about it and trying to convince people to at least get in and watch this last weekend. Because like I said, 32 teams started. We're already down eight. There's 26 teams left in this middle week. We're going to have three groups, groups A, B, and C. And basically groups A and B will play on Friday. Groups uh, A and C will play on Saturday. And then groups B and C will play on uh, Sunday. So if you're team A this weekend, you could be sitting on the sidelines watching your hopes and dreams crumble away as another eight teams will get booted by the end of the weekend. Right. So what was, what did you notice in the first games? And we actually, you had mentioned that, you know, PAX hung out with us for some of these early games for Friday. 
But we all got together on Friday and hung out in Discord and watched these first six games. What were some of the things that you noticed right away? I think for me, as far as the actual gameplay went, was just how calculated the teams are. But there was also some early aggression, and I was expecting it to be just slower in general. But there was a lot of really quick kills, specifically people getting knocked out of cars and some early rotations, some people trying to create some solo engagements. And I noticed that. And then the other thing that really stuck out to me was the casters. They were on point, man. I was super impressed with just how well they called out what was probably going to happen, where the circles were going, just how on point their calls were. They were calling out things that would happen, and then they were breaking down plays in a way that even someone like me that doesn't have any competitive PUBG experience but has played a lot of PUBG, honestly, I didn't really get into the professional scene until the most recent NPL circuit, so I'm really fresh in this, but it was a very, very solid viewing experience, and the casters did a great job. Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat where I you know, casually watched and... and not really understood what I was looking at, even as someone who plays often. I think this weekend is the weekend that made me an actual PUBG esports fan. And part of that is was having Pax there. And so we're all hanging out and watching and Pax is just chilling. You know, we're just chatting about what we see and, and someone brought up the idea that it'd be really nice if we could just press a button and, and see the whole map. So we didn't have to wait for them to show us the teams in rotation. And he mentioned to us something that none of us, no one who was a casual viewer knew, and that there's an entire Twitch stream called PUBG Esports Map. And it's literally just the map up the whole time. And it's synced up with the casters. You know, everything is, it's, it's official. So we were able to just put that on our second screen. And now you can watch each team go to their respective landing spot, loot, see who moves quickest. You know, you see teams... Uh, like Genesis, who you've heard that they move early, but you can see how much earlier they start to rotate because of that. You just you learn so much more, and you're able to anticipate who's going to have a clash next when you can see the whole map and see where everyone's rotating. Right. It helped so much. Well, there were thousands of people watching that map, which was the funny part. And there was a point when the map got blacked out, like a browser was blocking it, like it was like a bad OBS source or something, I don't know. But you should have seen chat, dude. Every There's so many people that just watch the rotations because I'm sure as you dig more and more into it, that's really where the finer points of the game are. And the casters allude to this and the pro players allude to this. But it was so funny to see chat when for like, I don't know, probably two minutes, <laughs> the map went down and just had a big black box over like 90% mm-hmm. of the screen. People freaked out, man. Oh, I mean, I think our chat, you know, alone was going like, what the hell? Yes, everyone's screaming, yelling, especially as the night goes on. And it was funny because I did I did look at the numbers for that versus the mainstream. And I saw maybe 15,000 people, you know, on Twitch itself. You know, I heard there was over 150,000 or something watching in Asia, which is amazing since it's in the morning and they're probably all catching up on it during the day. Right. But so I'm watching like 15,000 people watching on Twitch and maybe 2,000 watching on the map stream for Twitch. And so that still goes to show that there's a lot of people who don't know that that resource is available and you can just keep it up at all times. And it right. definitely did change things for me because now even if I'm going to watch the the games on my TV and sit back on the couch, I'll have my phone or a tablet up with that map stream forever. I will never... 
bother watching without that accompanying. Yeah, it was really cool. And it, it, it just adds another layer of context. Like I was watching the mainstream with the map stream muted, but it was really cool that when they were zoomed in on a fight and you knew the compound, but you didn't know what was going on with the circle, it was really cool to be able to glance over and just see what was going on with the circle on the meta scale. It's a really neat resource. So I highly, highly recommend you follow that channel on Twitch if you plan on watching in the future. Yeah. And so that was just the first thing that was like, thank God we have uh, a pro player who's able to just be like, oh yeah, this, that resource is available. And he, you know, he just sent us all the link. And another thing that was interesting and you, you said you had expected more fights was in typical phases throughout the MPL or PEL or any of the other team, any other leagues, there are set drop locations essentially. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you watch MPL, Cloud9, Genesis now, they always land at Pachinki and they always land at Picado. And no one fights them for it, even though it's a center location, it's a nice spot. No one fights them for that. Basically what it is, throughout their scrims, those teams only face each other all week and then they get into the weekend, they fight it out, and they do that every single weekend. And they fight for those spots and earn their spots in those practice times. And they might have someone try and fight them for it first weekend. But that's like first of eight weekends. And then it's done. Right. Now we have 32 of the best teams in the world. Some of the most aggressive teams there are. And there's multiple teams that want to land in Pachinki. And there's multiple teams, that, you know, even far off spots. Like they have to figure out where to go. And so like day one, a major contentious spot is just to the east, like left of Milta the farm area where in pubs people don't like to go there as much but because of the amount of vehicles and the amount of small little compounds that like one player can loot a team will spread out and land on those different spots and then rotate out but there was like three different teams that wanted that day one so it was just really interesting to see these teams have to try and concede and a major thing was day two and day two we had entus we had Genesis and we had Team Liquid, who are all known for Pachinki. And there was a lot of banter leading up to it as to, you know, who's going to kill who. And Team Liquid had a Discord thing where it said, LOL Genesis, Team number 32, you know, whatever. Like, they're going to go out at, in last place because of them. And, you know, the back and forth between Genesis and them. And then, and those guys are friends. I mean, like, legitimately, right. they're friends. K-Mine was just in France for a whole month. And he played with both, uh, you know, James and Ibby, you know, and they, they had crazy high frag games. They're all buddies, but it's it's banter and it was fun to see. And then the game started and there were no fights in Pachinki. It had been decided already. And from what I had read and heard, it was decided in a pretty matter-of-fact way. And what you saw was Entis, which I believe is a Korean team, went in there and they took the north and then Genesis was in the south of Pachinki. And Liquid was noticeably in like northern Pachinki, above Pachinki, kind of somewhere between Pachinki, Razak, and School area, which is not great loot, not great vehicles, and really like oddly hilly terrain. It's kind of hard to get through and not a fun place to rotate through, at least without having speed in the vehicles already. It became a problem for Liquid in a major way. What were some of your favorite games before we get into talk about Liquid and Genesis, who are a lot of team favorites? Uh, what were your thoughts on night one? What what really stood out to you in those games? I would say the consistency of phase, honestly. Mm-hmm. 
that was the first thing that stuck out to me was that I I had heard and seen some of the stuff about FaZe, but how consistent they were really jumped out to me. They were usually in a position where they had a chance. The other thing that kept popping up for me was Ghost, and they kept putting themselves in really good circle positions, you know, and they ran into FaZe in one game. It was really cool to watch how they dealt with having favorable circles. That's what night one was for me, was watching those two teams and just watching why FaZe is so consistent and how they rotate and how they shoot, and then watching the Ghost Gaming boys kind of frag out and, and have some fun too. So that, that was those are the two things that I was paying most attention to because it seemed to keep coming up. Those were themes throughout the entire day. Yeah. And so what I noticed was FaZe Clan specifically, I believe it was game two on Iron Gall, which they won. They had a great rotation. No one oddly challenged them for the location they got. And then they hit so many shots and just really went pretty crazy at the end of the game there. Yeah. I said on day two, I just want to correct myself, that uh, it was Entis. There are two different Entis teams. So there's OGN Entis Ace. They were in on day one. And then there's OGN Entis Force. And uh, they were the team that I was talking about that landed with Genesis and, you know, in Pochinki on day two. Uh, Entis Ace ended up in the top ranking for the day with FaZe Clan just behind them with 54 points. We didn't really lose too many teams, but there was, there was one other thing. We had heard a lot about Gen G going into that day and specifically mm -hmm. Pio. And even if you don't watch a lot of it, you may have seen games and just not games, but clips of Pio and just like dominating like one V threes. And you just hear the Korean casters, Pio, 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 you know, and which those guys are the most animated casters I've ever heard. They get so Was into it. Was he the one with that George pool crates clip where he killed yep. like four people? Okay. Mm -hmm. And then also <laughs> just like that clip, like behind a rock, where he just took out three guys on his own like it was nothing. Right. Yeah, he, he is, you know, he's like a big name. And what was interesting this for me to see was how poorly they did their first few games. And, like, they were almost, like, at the bottom of the barrel there going into some of the later games. And they really only made it because they won the sixth game. And, like, they snuck in. Which is, that's PUBG, man, right? <laughs> it, one game can change the whole deal. And so that's what I was alluding to when I was talking about you and trying to do your Twitch Rivals things was that, you know, if you guys can win one game, there's a good chance you just make it through. And obviously you need to do a little bit better because it's only the top two instead of half the, you know, half the lobby or whatever. Yeah. But with 20 teams, right? But for them with 16 teams, you know, a good 40 points should get you through. And one win with 10 kills is 20 points right there. Anyway, so that's how they, you know, they, they managed to eke through. And I think that whatever whatever issues they were having on rotation or with any communication will be completely kind of uh, cleaned up. And so I'm really excited to see Gen G, a team that I've heard a lot about, but I haven't seen a lot. I'm excited to see them. I'm obviously, I'm excited to see FaZe Clan do some more. And yeah, I, I was obviously, we were all rooting for Ghost. We were rooting for Tempo and, and trying to see what, what they do. And so you didn't see NA do... A ton that was dominant this weekend, but every team that needed to seemed to have had a good game or two and consistent play, consistent positioning, late games, and they got themselves through. And so that was encouraging because people were people were talking a lot of smack going into this, saying NA was the weakest region and uh, things like that. But they uh, they really held their own and they showed that they you know they deserved to be there. So yeah, Friday was Friday was a lot of fun. I'm I'm looking forward to this weekend again just to uh, see how that all pans out. But Saturday is where things started to kind of really get interesting for me. So this is going to be cool to listen to because I've 
I watched very little on Saturday. I think I caught probably a game and a half total. And then for Sunday, I caught basically the tail end and all the clips and everything. So I'm actually really excited to hear your breakdown of day two because I, I was in and out on day two. So I'm going to be spoiling this for you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. Well, I mean, I know the, I know the rankings. I cheated on that, but yeah. I, don't, I didn't know how the action played out. So, you know, game one starts and everyone's paying attention to the center of the map. They're looking at Pachinki and they're looking to see what happens. And it ends up just being Entis Force and Genesis just taking Pachinki and just kind of splitting it down the middle. No one messes with each other. Genesis does what they always do when they get out early and they rotate. And then you're all wondering why and where are Liquid going to go. And Liquid just kept getting caught in rotation that game and, and things just didn't really get off to a great start, so we were slightly worried for those guys. Game two starts, and they run in to Lazarus in rotation, and both teams stop the fight. And I don't remember seeing any team get wiped as fast as those guys did. And I mean, I was shocked. And I I had to watch that on Sunday in a replay, but like, I was shocked. I had already kind of known what happened and and why they were going to be playing on Sunday, but... right. It was home. Like, I couldn't believe that game, too. And just like knew. decisive or what happened? Like they, Yeah, they were just like gone in an instant. They might have taken one guy from Lazarus with them. I kind of forget. But, I mean, it was like, how did that break down so quickly? It just seemed like they jumped out of the car and like two were down. Another one went down and then boom. Like, done. like that fight might have lasted like 10 or 15 seconds. All wow. I know is it was like. They're going to stop. And then it was like, oh, they're out of the game. And like the, the casters couldn't believe it. No one could believe it. You could hear gasp in the crowd. Like it, that's when it started to feel like, oh, wow, this weekend's going to get real. And things just continued to not really work out for Liquid. And long story short, out of their six games, they ended the day with 13 points. So they ended up going into day three with not a lot. And yeah, it was, it was pretty nuts. Um, to go forward just kind of quickly through day two, those games were interesting to me, but I didn't watch them live. I mean, so Genesis managed to win on map five on uh, Miramar, and then you know we saw a couple teams just kind of sneak in there. Lazarus made it. We're worried about our, our MPL. A surprising thing for many was uh, TSM and how dominant they were. They came in first in their you know, group stage, group two, and I mean, they played really strong all day, and people... I don't think we're expecting that. And it seems that coaching really played a huge part in their day and a lot of people's days. And So what do you mean by that? In terms of there's a lot of adaptation that has to come and teams have to decide if their loot spot is something that they need to 100% fight for and own or if they're going to make a concession and land somewhere else, which means you know it's more than just landing somewhere. There's pretty set rotation paths that they're going to take and car spawns that they're going to pick up that if you've only played in one location all year probably too late for you to think about playing somewhere else whereas if your team is kind of flexed a bunch then you probably have another one in your back pocket that you can go to no matter what and then everyone should always have a flex for each side of the map uh, or each corner of the map in case the circle is really bad for them or the the flight path is really bad right and i think it's it's a interesting thing to talk about right because if you watch pro players when they go into public matches like they can dominate just about anywhere against an average field but the interesting thing to your point is that when they're forced to like loot up in a different compound or city or area that can change it radically for what they like to do where they like to go 
You know, when you were talking about liquid rotating out of that hilly spot or they didn't quite get to drop where they wanted to drop, that's a super interesting thing to watch in the PGC because you're right. A lot of these teams that are in the same region have a very good idea of what the other ones are going to do. They scrim most weekdays during this, you know, off seasons. And then during the season, they're scrimming and then they're playing in, you know, weekly tournaments, the the phases. So watching these rotations and seeing teams have to adapt is, again, you rely heavily on the casters for that. But it's really cool to watch some of the fights break out because it's not your typical fight for some of these teams. So I agree with that, man. I think that was a really good point you made. Yeah, the randomness seemed to play a big part in how these games turned out. And so, you know, moving on from day two, the real story for me is what happened day three, because this is when there's seasons on the line. This is right. This is it for people. So I'm just going to scroll down on my my dock here so I can look at the group stage three and see all these points. But yeah, and to your point, though, that there was already a spread going into day three. Yeah. Right. So there's there's also pressure from knowing what the spread is, knowing what you have to make up. So did you notice that teams were playing more aggressive? Did you feel like it was different than day one and two? Yeah, there were there were teams that knew that they needed to make some some things happen. And some teams that also just seemed to know that they already had enough points to maybe throw a game kind of because they would already be ahead of of the pack in in a sense and so just like quickly you know going into that day you had games like vc gaming or rumblers and vc had 30 points already and the rumblers had 27 so they're ninth and ninth for their respective days and then at the lowest end of it we had team liquid starting the day with 13 points 13 points over six games you know that's that's not a lot that's Maybe a placement point or two. That's maybe a couple kills in a game. That's like an average of three games or three kills per game or something. You know, it's very low. Right. And then, you know, G2 Esports, they only had 14 points. And so you're you're halfway behind the team that's in the lead already. And you haven't even played that day's games yet. So it definitely changes, you know, how your mentality is going to be in those games for sure. And so these games got off and. Luckily, Liquid had their spot. They had Pachinki. They were good to go. And I'm not kidding. I went through the full range of emotions. I was in a little tinier watch party with a couple guys, kind of telling them what I had just recently learned about bringing up the map stream and all of that. And so we're all like pretty clearly rooting for Team Liquid. Yeah. You know, we're, we're looking for Genesis, but they're holding the middle of the pack. And you wanted your pick to be right. I didn't pick yet. I didn't pick yet. I'm not silly. That's a quick that's a quick aside. So if you bought the skins or anything for the global thing or you got in the top ten, you should get a quick little you should get a point to or a ticket to spend on the team that you want to win. And if they win the whole thing, you can win skins for the game. And you don't have to spend them yet. You don't have to spend them before the, you know this upcoming weekend. You only have to spend them before the last third weekend. So I didn't spend my ticket yet. If your team's already out, that means you spent a ticket that you didn't have to use. And But it supports your team. It does support your team. There you go. It is a thing to know. If you really want to just support your team, make sure that they get some cash. They do. But for your own greedy ends, <laughs> hold on to them. That's my thing, at least. So, yeah. So, I'm, I'm, I'm worried about our NPL teams, but I really am also pretty involved with Liquid. I watch Jeems and Ibby all the time. 
Those guys are incredible players and just nice guys. I want that team to do well too. And I know how far that, that they have to climb. So I didn't have to worry about Genesis on day three. I wasn't super worried about the Rumblers at that point, but I'm definitely worried about Liquid. And so they don't have a great game one. They don't have a fantastic game two, but then they win game three. If you only have time for two games, I'm going to tell you right now, go back and watch all of game three from day three and all of game six from day three, because that'll set the stage for you and, and let you kind of understand how this thing worked out. From game three, we move on to Sandhawk. You know, they get some points. They're in like a nice position in seventh by the last game. And it's at that point in the, you know, the last game that the teams are getting really close. The point spread is like honestly insane. It's like teams are at like 40 something, mid 40s to like low 30s. And they're all within strike distance. And it's not until mid game when all of a sudden, Ibby gets a tire blown, jumps out, and tries to smoke so we can try, see if he can get out of there. He goes down, and then a few minutes later, maybe 10 minutes later, we lose another uh, two players off that team, and it's down to just one. Should I be giving all this away? Um, Yeah, I mean, spoilers. Yeah, I mean, I think at this point, if they made, if you made it this far in the episode, you're assuming we're going to start breaking it down, so yeah, I'd say go for it. I'll put a spoilers in there, or like, we'll put in the show notes that there were spoilers. So coming into this last game, we see there's a good seventh place for Liquid as long as the other teams don't pop off and as long as they can just maintain and maybe get a few more points as well. And then Ibi goes down in rotation. He gets tire pop, jumps out, and just gets annihilated. He's in a crossfire between two different teams. A couple minutes later, the three men that are left, they're holding their ground, and one goes down, a grenade takes out the other, boom. We're down to one man in a shack for Liquid. And it's at this point that you can just tell the casters who were going. They know. This was Sims and Porosporos. I think I said that right. I'm so sorry if I didn't. And those guys, you can hear it in their voice. There's, there's like a tremble going. And you can hear the crowd starting to freak out when those two get knocked and there's just one left. You can just feel the tension in the air building. You can feel excitement for other teams that are in striking distance. And then all at once, Liquid's out. They wow. are down to just the points they earned. They're still in the top eight. But the other teams that can potentially strike in are still alive. And it's literally like five of the last nine teams that are alive are in striking distance of making it. It starts getting real dicey. And then Crow Crowd starts piling the numbers on. They get in. And when they get in, Liquid gets out. Wow, dude. So then everyone's like, all right, well, Crow Crowd's going to get in. This is great. And then Athletico starts popping off. And then you just see all these things start to happen where all these teams are starting to fight their way in from 9th and 10th and 11th and 12th place. I'm not going to fully give away this last circle. I already gave away probably the biggest upset you'll come to. But this last 10 minutes of this game... Even even the last 15 is just like the most on the edge of my seat. I mean, you would have thought it was, you know, a playoff for your favorite hometown team. I mean, it was insane. But instead of just one team versus one team, it is like nine different teams. They're all battling for a chance to come to the next week. And it was a major upset in the end. And, you know, I'm, I'm really I'm really happy for all the teams that made it and it just made for some of the most exciting PUBG ever, and it was just watching the numbers and the positions just move like that it was really something to see. And, you know, it wasn't just Liquid 
bit had heartbreaking losses and got sent home. I mean, Crow Crowd and Atletico, they fought and they got in. They barely got in. Uh, Atletico missed the mark by one point. Jeez. Crow Crowd missed the mark by two points. I mean, that is like not confirming a knock. Like, you know, we complain about thirsting, but they have to. Because if they don't, someone else gets it, they get a point. And that could be the difference. There was a point denial that was the most smart play I'd seen from a team. And it's the reason that they're still in. This is Sun Sisters denied a point from Atletico by dying to the blue instead of letting Atletico shoot them. They don't do that. Atletico lasts longer, ties them for points, but wins because they lasted longer in that game. Atletico would still be in if that didn't happen. I think what you're talking about right here is like, I can hear your passion for what's going on. And it, and it speaks to my point that I made earlier. And the point that you alluded to was convincing people to watch. And if you like PUBG and you haven't, tuned into an event like this this is really the one to do it because what kev's talking about here it's crazy right you're, you're talking about storylines right and the casters did a great job breaking it down they had the stats they had the numbers you knew pretty much live what was going on if you're watching the stream you had the ability to pull the scoreboard over live you know you may not have heard of these teams you may not have heard of the point systems and all that kind of stuff but i can tell you this the production level is such that you can come in blind at least have a very good idea of what's going on and that's really really cool because a lot of what kev's talking about i didn't see but i had hints at those stories developing even after day one and then they were pretty easy to pick up the threads as i was watching in you know the little bits and pieces of day two and then when i watch the finish in day three they started recapping all this and it's like oh my gosh i am gonna go watch the end of this and i intend to but it was just really cool so i'll just wrap up what you were saying there and say you got to check this out man if you love PUBG and you haven't given the professional scene a chance go watch it i was in that boat uh six months ago where i like was kind of interested but hadn't really dug in and i'm i'm super impressed yeah and i guess my point is that you don't see yourself not you know if you don't know these teams you don't have an emotional investment, but all of a sudden, these storylines start to develop and these points start to pile on or, or a team's, you know, dreams kind of start to, to fade in front of your very eyes. And like, it becomes a whole lot more real and you start to r realize that these are people who have played for two, three years with nothing in mind but winning an event like this. And it's either about to happen for them when no one believed in them or, you know, at least Everyone that you know in the NA kind of sphere doesn't think that this team from Latin America can come and clutch this win out and make it to the next round. And then they do. And then the team that you kind of cared about or were watching makes it or doesn't make it. And then another team takes it over. And you start to realize how intense this is for these players. The casters did such a good job of, of being really gracious to those that are lost, proud of those that had made it, and making sure that those of us watching were able to understand how that felt for either side and the gravity of it. At the end of the day, there's a couple million dollars on the line. Whoever wins gets a full million to their work. There's, there's a lot more than your typical PUBG game. It's more than chicken, let's put it that way. I think the really what I want to talk about in the end is something we learned about today, which is pretty closely related to what we're seeing in this. This is the final major event of 2019 PGC. And they just announced today the testing of the new competitive ranking 
in a new system they're calling Labs. But before we jump into that, is there any final thoughts you have about PGC before we transition out? I guess my final thought here would be that what I'm talking about might have been confusing to you, and it's definitely not easy when you're only listening. But if you if you want to go into the links that we're going to provide, we'll put up links to watch the VODs over, and you can watch the PUBG Esports map as well as the normal Play Battleground stream. And uh, those Twitch channels, if you're just going to look them up on your own, the mainstream is just called Play Battlegrounds, and then the esports map is called PUBG Esports Map. It's all one word for both. And then if you're still not understanding exactly what's going on, I'd suggest watching some of the uh, analysis that comes in with the map stream up from a commentator called My Name is Toby, and he pulls up the map stream, kind of speeds things up, and explains what is going on with these rotations and how important they are. And I'm telling you, you don't need to actually watch these guys shoot their guns to see what is happening and the storylines that unfold just from their dots moving around and the shot lines coming through on the screen and you know who's in a vehicle rotating. You can start to understand, because you've played so much yourself probably, the terrain, you know how the guns look. But to see how tight it gets compared to your average game, I mean, these guys are right on top of each other, and they'll last for another 10 minutes. And that's really what's interesting. I agree. And it's there's a tremendous amount of support and tools out there for the professional scene. If you're familiar with a scene like Counter-Strike or League of Legends or, or one that's been around for longer... And, you know, the, it, it seems a little nuts that there's a bunch of different, like, third-party resources, or it may not be exactly streamlined. PUBG's getting there. And it, it wasn't there. This tournament is nuts, man. They, I mean, they really ramped it up. So, I'd say give it a shot. But I think, personally, the announcement that hit Twitter today is the one that I'm super excited about. Put out a little dev letter on it, and they're launching this deal called Labs. Short version of it is that they're basically going to start testing a player ranking in all modes. And it's not the test realm. The test realm's not going away. But what it is, is it's a thing that you can opt into to test unique game features that aren't necessarily good for the test realm. So it's an opt-in feature. It's basically a mini test realm within the regular client. It's been asked for over and over and over since I started playing this game. November of 2017 is when I picked it up. People have been talking about a ranked mode, and it's finally being talked about, and it's coming to the game. Yeah, I think this is going to be really cool, and, and to just clarify, it's going to be bronze, silver, gold, platinum, diamond, and master. And so, you know, how do you rank up in this? And that is through placement, kills, the enemy rating of the people you go against. So, you know, your placement in the match will determine if you gain or lose if you're in a squad, they said they're only going to analyze your personal position. So they said that they understand that it might seem harsh if you don't receive credit, even if your team goes on to win. But since you don't need to wait for your squad to finish, you're able to receive your own RP immediately. So, you know, if you're playing random match games, then that means that you don't have to wait for the other, you know, three guys who you don't actually know to maybe play as hard as they can. Because you opt in within the client, but you play normally as far as I know. So there's not necessarily going to be teams going as hard as they can every game. I do think, though, that this is a really interesting thing, because when I first read this, I was like, well, that stinks, because I know that there's been plenty of times where I'll make a decision and play that puts me at risk, but it puts my squad in the best chance of winning. And 
the way that this is set up, at least right now, right? And they're open to feedback on this. There's going to be direct feedback on it. But it's set up that, like, if you make a play to sacrifice yourself and put your team in a chance to go on and kill four more teams and win, you're not getting placement points or rank points for what you did for the team. So that does seem a little harsh. However, as you were explaining it, the thought that I had was, well, for the person that, you know, maybe they play random squads or they drop into a game and they get flushed out immediately. It would really stink if you had to sit there and wait just to stay in the game to see how far your team went because you're like, well, if they win, I want the rank points. Right. So I don't think they want ranked to turn into some kind of, you know, for lack of a better word for it to turn into some kind of, you know, viewing experience because you want your points in case the team goes on to win. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, as as much as you want this to inspire competition, you don't want it to be too sweaty in a sense where like, you know, players are not engaging or taking any risk because they care too much about just placement or staying all alive or, or none. And, yeah. um, you know, either either full commit or none. And, you know, if you're going to go to that extent for RP, you're probably going to full commit less. And then also, you know, I played a little bit, but I watched a lot more of Apex and their competitive scene. And they have revives, even in the, you know, ranked queue. But there's plenty of times when teams are just so good that you're going against and you get killed. And there's no way for your team to go and pick up your banner and then go and revive you. So you just end up having a really good player who's watching their two other players or even just their one play the role of the rat who just kind of rolls into that next zone and just finds a hidey hole and just waits and waits. Right. And at least until they can get everyone their points back because everyone gets the same amount of points for placement and then you get points for kills up to five kills and that's how it works in Apex. And so placement in the match means so much for the whole team that yeah you do end up just waiting and watching or else you you lose those points so i think it's a good way to avoid that especially with squads where one player goes down and then they just have to wait yeah and it's just gonna be interesting to see how it changes the decision making on a personal basis you know because obviously in the professional scene if it gets their team higher ranked and more kills a t a player will always sacrifice themselves but in terms of personal ranking, that might <laughs> might not be the same. So it'll be interesting to see how this actually plays out. It, it might just be we're looking too much into it. It's brand new. Who knows? So we'll see. I think it's safe to say that you'll still be uh, running ahead of the pack no matter what happens. <laughs> I can't help it, man. Even if I'm in charge of com, like I just my W key's on lockdown, man. Like good luck getting it to unstick. Yeah, dude, you're a you're a scout and a fragger for sure. Um, even if you do have to take over comms, I mean, I think that's more of your 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 role. But anyway, so you know, it's not just placement though. Your kills do matter, and as I had said, enemy rating matters. So they said we analyze every play in your match. We compare your rating to your enemy's rating and adjust the calculations accordingly. So. You know, we're talking about a win gets 10 points and one kill gets one point in PGC in these competitive, like, you know, actual leagues. But for pubs, we're going to play, you know, thousands of games. And your numbers are going to go up and down. They're actually on scales of, you know, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000. And I don't know what it'll go up to, but think of it probably somewhat similar to how the Survivor, you know, ranking works, where it goes up to about 6,000 SP. And that would be probably your masters in the, you know, the... yeah competitive version of uh, survivor or your skill-based you know ranking and yep. so 
it's kind of cool that you know if if you have a player in your match that's way higher than you, one kill on them might be like you know I, I don't know how it will adjust, but what if it's like you're not a great ranked player and you kill someone at the very top and you get like five kills worth of points just for killing that one guy, right? It's kind of cool. Yeah, and I think the the one thing that I'm noticing is lacking from this dev letter, and again, this is just the announcement of it. It will probably change before it's even released to the test realms or however they're going to roll it out. But there isn't really a metric in there for consistency. A lot of players will point to ADR, which we've talked about on the podcast before. It's generally thought of as the one of the best. If you have to look at one piece of information, ADR says a lot about a player. And there's nothing mentioned in there. It's all about number of kills and placements. So that's the original way they did the leaderboards. And it'll just be really interesting to see how this goes, because I think when I see a high ADR player, I I think, okay, well, they consistently frag out, but they may hot drop and die really quick a lot, but kill a few people in the process. So I really am curious to see how this plays out, because it it could go any way. I do think that damage done needs to be a calculation and skill. I think so as well. Yeah. And that's already been exactly what we've been seeing in the forums and and on Twitter and, and everywhere else is that. Man, there are games where you are peppering people, but your teammates get in the final kill. What if you're the bolter and you're right. you're you're on a team that's running and you're hitting consistent chest shots for like seventy five damage, or or even headshots on level three armored guys, right? But then your teammate yeah. has the bolt and you guys focus fire. You hit first, they hit second, they get the kill. Right, right. And so you know, I've had duo games where I only have two kills at the end of a win. And my buddy has six. And then we look at the damage, though, and I have like 600 and something damage on my two kills. And that guy has, you know, 430. And you're like, dude, wait, so you stole all my kills. You know what I mean? And it's a joke then. But is it a joke when you're you're lagging behind on your skill ranking (laughs) because your buddy's stealing all your kills? And I mean, obviously, it still makes him a good teammate in the sense that you guys are able to focus fire team, you know, team members of the opposing team and like deal with a threat quickly and effectively. And that's why points are awarded to the whole team in, in real competitions. But right in this individualized version, is that going to become annoying? I think it will. And I think that damage needs to mitigate that to a degree. And I don't know if yeah. there's like assist points that come in there. If you do more than 50 damage towards a kill or I don't know how it'll work. Yeah. It'll be interesting because it will shape the meta. Like it will change the way people play. Like, just the fact that you don't get your team's placement points, it's based on your own, that will change the way people play. And what you brought up just now is another way that it will be guaranteed to change the way that people play the game. Yeah, and you know, you're the bolter, you're going to try and maybe wait for them to to tag someone real quick, you point them out and say, shoot, and then you hold for a second and then you try and shoot. Right. But being the bolter, you also probably know that it's easiest to shoot someone who doesn't know they're getting shot at, so it is best for the bolter to lead open, but then you're sacrificing the opportunity to lead strong because you want someone else to, to hit their DMR shot so you can clean them up. Right. And it's just like, then you're being selfish, and then it's like, I can, I can just see all these different arguments and points of view, and at the end of the day, it seems like the argument from the, the community, the voice will overall say, please add damage to the calculation. Well, and I I agree, and I think the most promising thing to me is the mastery system. The mastery system is already tracking tons of metrics. 
It's on a per gun basis. It's got your damage. It's got all kinds of stuff. So they've put the systems in place that can track everything. And now they get to take those systems and kind of crank the wheels a little bit to, to spit out some ranks. So uh, that's that's pretty exciting. And, you know, and that's exactly what Brian Corgan, you know, mentioned when he came on the show is that all of the things that we're doing now that they're doing now in terms of giving us all these different things in the mastery system. Yeah was all leading up for them to be able to execute a proper skill-based thing. And we're seeing it start to be announced. And what I really love is this idea of the labs where it lives in the regular client. It is just another tab that you can go to, kind of like we have this PGC tab. You go in there, and that's where you opt in to be tracked for it. Right. From that point, you're tracked in all your games for the rest of that you know time frame. And it's just going to see how you do. Don't fret too much. This is the test period. Just play. Maybe you do play a little more sweaty or something in your solos or however it works. But just play, see how it works, give feedback. And this is, Labs is meant to not affect your normal playtime and also be something that they can draw out long enough for our feedback to become real changes and then actually release something to the test server that's legit ready to go. And so I don't know if it'll be things that affect the gameplay mechanics. I don't know if we'll see things in Labs that actually you know change damage values or add something new like a ledge grab to the game but things that change meta might yeah what about things like limiting grenades or taking grenades away or who knows what like it could be a really good spot to do that where it sounds like test realm's going to be for bigger change i don't even know final almost more finalized patches or something i don't it's it's hard to say how they'll, how they'll use it because this is something that's obviously just going to shift how you think about playing the game but not how you actually have to play the game other things in the future could well and i just like the term labs right because it's like lab suggests like you know i picture like a chemistry set you know, sometimes you mix some stuff together, it turns out crazy, and you never do it again. Other times, you mix some stuff together, and it's magic. I love the concept, I love the name behind it, because it, it's if something goes in there, and it's really controversial, like some people love it, some people hate it, and it doesn't make it into the game, it's cool that they have a place where they can actually, like, test stuff out, which seems like what the test realm should be for, but this seems like a unique way where you can kind of opt in and I think it's smart. I actually, I really like the implementation of this. And I think this is a good first test at seeing what it's going to do. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, I, I don't really have much else to say. They said they haven't locked down a final live server date for this skill-based rating experiment. They'll keep us updated on that. Uh, you'll be able to try the skill-based in an upcoming test environment. But I think that will be on live servers again. And there's a lot we don't know right now. But there's a lot to like. Yeah, and I saw, like, Hawkins tweeted saying it'll come out to the test server first. You know, so, it, I don't know. Now there's going to be this kind of vernacular change that we've got to get used to. Like, you know, does that mean labs or does that mean does that mean live server labs? Does it mean test server labs on test server? I, it's a little confusing there. But, again, just announced today. This is fresh. By the time you hear it, we'll probably know a heck of a lot more about specific details. But we're excited about it. So we wanted to at least talk about it. And you can basically expect when we've got the full cast on again that we will definitely hit this as we get more details yeah so i mean i guess that's it this was this was uh an episode for people who really play you know are looking to play this game at a higher level whether you're a pub player like us or you're you know watching these competitors in the pgc and i'm just so excited about what pgc has shown that esports 
you know, competitive PUBG can really be. I think they're really doing a great job, and I think this should be a sign of good faith as to what this can eventually turn into. This is ending year one of five-year plan for this on a good note in my mind. As long as they can figure out how to continue to have revenue coming in for all of the orgs and not just the top org, then they have the logistics in place for how they run a big tournament like this and how they run things like that. So this is a good sign to me. And as a viewer, I've I've never had more fun watching PUBG than this past weekend. Yeah, and I'm I'm in the same boat. I think this is a really, really good step in the right direction. It makes me excited to continue to engage it and not just kind of, you know, not care. So I'm, I'm excited. I think it's good. I'm excited for the personal ranking. I think that's an important step as well. So I think both of these things, the way we talked about two things for the last hour. So both things I think I'm really excited for, and I'm excited to give feedback on and, and continue to work on them. So super excited. I'm with you. Right. So if you've been listening along this whole time, and, and now you're trying to figure out how you get into PGC, how you catch up and how you prepare going forward. I'm just going to give a couple more, you know, things there. So remember, it's a PUBG esports map. If you want to bring up that map and then to watch the mainstream, it's play battlegrounds. Those games are going to be whether we get this out for the second weekend or the third. They're going to start at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. And then, uh, yeah, so make sure you watch those live if you want to really tap into how exciting that is. There's watch parties happening in discords all over the place. Ours are at least on Friday nights. We might hold more, especially as we come to this like last weekend, which is when you'll probably be getting this in time for. And that's going to be really fun. And then if you miss things, don't forget you can go and watch those VODs. You can watch the breakdowns from people like, my name is Toby. Uh, I saw Spreezy did one. He did a good job with that, explaining you know how he saw things panning out. There's just so many resources that are coming up. If you have more questions for us, you can always feel free to reach out to me or Trigger. Just come to the Discord and ask. And then also, if you want to hear from people who are very avid fans, you can go to the competitive PUBG Reddit. So that is our competitive PUBG. There's some really cool things going on with how they present all of that. And some of that comes down to a uh, an account called pan.gg that will break down all the actual analytics of each game that goes on. And I mean, these things are down to who's popping the most tires in a game. Right. It is, re- it is really detailed. And so you're seeing people talked about a player from Liquid tried to run someone over and then only did 95 damage with a bike. And how that cost them a point, possibly. But then you can really go and look in and see that they had two knocks that they didn't get to clean up. Maybe that had something to do with it. You know what I mean? There's there's other points that are lost along the way. There's other things. And you can kind of like really try and figure out like what happened? What could have turned the tide or something? And and you can you can play all those scenarios in your head and, and really just see who's performing at the best after each week. I'll put a link to one of those in the show notes as well. And that'll go to the Reddit for competitive PUBG. And then you can then go to their Twitter page and, and follow them and keep up with all of that. But I don't know. I just never thought I'd be as into PUBG esports uh, as I am now after watching PGC this first weekend. So I'm excited for the way this all goes and excited to see how uh, the labs happen for us normal players. Yeah, it's funny. I used to be like a tune in, watch a little bit, not really care. But now I really don't like to tune in or turn it on unless I can watch a full game. <laughs> you know, so it's everything's changed for me, which is. Which is really cool, actually. I'm, I'm really happy about that. 
Yeah, I used to have it on this T, not even my second monitor. I used to have it on my TV, all like way to the left, and just kind of glance between my own games while I'm hanging out with friends. All right. If I'm on the couch, I'll be surprised. I think I'll be at my computer, like seriously glued to the games with both streams up for the map and everything, and and just right. like what is happening and and who's you know who's gonna go out and like I said, things can just happen so quickly for a team, and and the tide can turn, and it's just very very interesting to see how this goes, and maybe maybe the normal week to week of like a phase won't be as as must see watching but it's going to be something you're going to want to keep up with after you watch pgc that's for sure yeah no doubt all right well that's all we have for you today thank you so much for tuning in and listening to us so we thought we would only talk for maybe a half an hour on uh, pgc and we went obviously almost an hour on that mostly my fault but i got a little excited i'm sorry (laughs) it's good dude so if you want to catch up with us Feel free to follow me at the One Heart Live uh, on Twitter, and then just come see us in the Discord. And uh, Trigger, where can we find you? What else are you doing these days? You can find me on all the socials at MTB Trigger. I also stream on Twitch at MTB Trigger, so you can drop by the stream. Would love to see you there. And then I uh, got a new project going on. If you're interested in other games, uh, Classic WoW. Retail, wow. Teamfight Tactics, talking a little bit about BlizzCon, that kind of stuff. Uh, that project is called XP Media. You can find us on YouTube, XP Media Now, or you can find us on iTunes now. We just got approved for iTunes, so I got another audio version of that on iTunes. It's just under XP Media. Yeah, and you're doing that with your buddy Ronald, who is another great guy. And uh, as just someone who's been watching and tuning in, it, it's definitely worth a watch. And uh, it's nice to see these guys really develop their own style and way of doing it. So 100% vouch for uh, XP Media there and XP Gaming. Well, thanks, man. Those guys, it's, yeah, it's fun to watch, dude. I'm excited for your, uh, your future with that. And that's something you guys get together uh, at one of your houses and, and just kind of just chat like right across from each other, right? Yeah, so we're, we've done it both ways now, but we do have a studio set up. So we do 4K resolution and live video, and then we are in the room most of the time, but we can also do it remote. We've got some guests lined up that are coming up in the near future. Not ready to announce yet, but we'll be doing some interviews. We've figured out how to do, you know, the kind of group podcast live stuff. We're we're not going to go to Twitch yet, but we'll uh, have that stuff up on YouTube. It's been fun, challenging, everything in between, trying to figure out how to get a bunch of cameras in high resolution 4K all at the same time and processing so uh if you're if you're on youtube at all and you, and you like the uh video podcast where you can see us it's a, it's a good thing to check out and we talk a little PUBG as well definitely a different perspective than kind of the you know we we get into it here we kind of focus on really new players over there so kind of fun but uh that's a generic gaming one but i do appreciate the uh vote of confidence there sir yeah man i actually really loved hearing ronald's opinion as a, as a you know brand new player on that that specific first PUBG episode i believe it was so yeah yeah so that's the funny part about that too is you know of course any new player and as we first started doing it he's like do you think people will care what a noob thinks and i said you know what I would be shocked if there's not a ton of new people out there that don't have someone to listen to, and I think you'd be surprised just how many people absolutely will care to hear about somebody who's in a similar scenario, in PUBG specifically, being a new player to it. So I hope he hears this, I'll make sure he does, but I'm I'm glad it came off that way because I was encouraging on that. I'm like, you don't have to play a game for thousands of hours to have an opinion on it, so I said, let's do it. <laughs> 
it definitely uh, gave me some flashbacks to my early days because, you know, I started late compared to most people. You know, I was late just for Xbox and very late for people who've been playing on PC. So I know the feeling of being behind the eight ball and feeling everyone else is just ridiculously good at this game that seems impossibly hard compared to anything else you've ever done. So, uh, Ronald, you did a good job explaining that. And and, uh, I could feel it even as someone who now has a lot more hours in this game, you know, well over... (laughs) I'm probably nearing 1,500 hours between both systems, so the stats don't show it yet. (laughs) We'll get there, (laughs) but uh, it's definitely something to think about. Man, I remember being that that fresh, that green. So anyway, go check that out. Uh, I think that's probably it for us. Yeah, yeah. Other than that, thank you very much, Spiffy Man, for all you're doing. Thank you to our casters for PGC. The Sims, that end of that game will forever go down as as a moment for me for esports, so... You guys did a fantastic job, and thank you to everyone who's doing all your your analysis after the games as well. We appreciate you, and we'll put all those links that we can in the show notes. Thanks again to Spiffy Man. That is it for us this week. Winner, winner. Out. Later. Later.